that, that's what an estimated 500 horsepower sounds like. How about that? That's a premium banging Olufsen sound system with 18 speakers and a Biosonic sound experience. And that, that's our legacy. You ready to be a part of it? Unlock the energy of the all-electric ZDX Type S. Order now at Acura.com. Hey, Fidelity. What's it cost to invest with the Fidelity app? Start with as little as $1 with no account fees or trade commissions on U.S. stocks and ETFs. Hmm, that's music to my ears. I can only talk. Investing involves risk, including risk of loss. Zero account fees apply to retail brokerage accounts only. Zero dollar commission applies to online U.S. equity trades and ETFs and retail Fidelity accounts. Sell order assessment fee not included. Some account types and securities excluded. Details at Fidelity.com slash commissions. Fidelity Brokerage Services, LLC. Member NYSE SIPC. Welcome to Bet the Edge. I'm Jay Croucher here with Drew Dinsick. Today we're going to talk Vikings, Bengals, Jets, Dolphins, and Cowboys, Bills. Three excellent games in their own right. A start in Cincinnati. Bengals are three and a half point favorites over Minnesota. Total is 39. At the time we're recording, still don't know who the quarterback of the Vikings will be. I'm expecting it'll probably be Nick Mullins. You don't typically. Uh, flirt with uh, benching your quarterback, go with the same guy, then bench your mid-game, and then the backup comes in and leads the winning drive. Uh, so what are you expecting from this game, Drew? Yeah, I mean, uh, what a performance from Nick Mullins. <clears throat> wasn't great. 3-0 over the Mighty Raiders. Uh, no, the uh, the question, this handicap starts and ends with uh, trying to dissect what to expect out of Mr. Jake Browning. There are a lot of Purdy 2022 whiffs about Jake Browning, Jay. He is a guy that is dedicated to improving his craft. He has put a performance on tape now two weeks in a row, albeit against fraudulent defenses uh, that have been among the best in football. Um, he is operating with among you know a healthy and very, very, very dynamic uh, uh, supporting cast. Um, the uh, kind of small things that kind of in, at times made it a little bit clunky for the Cincinnati offense to succeed. Don't really feel like things with Jake Browning the way they felt like with Joe Burrow, like namely, you know, waiting for time, you know, really just elongating his time in the pocket to the tune of uh, taking extra sacks, things like that really just haven't been factors for Browning, which is incredible. Uh, a credit to hat tip to Zach Taylor for adjusting the scheme in a way that kind of utilizes his strengths and kind of does make things a bit easier for him. But um, this is now a relatively step up in class in terms of test uh, going from, you know, kind of hanging impressive victories against uh, somewhat fraudulent defenses for the Jags and the Colts to now taking on a Vikings defense that many people didn't think was going to be as good as they have been this year, but does have sort of the fastball of kind of bringing pressure uh, and really kind of, you know, just just in general, making life uncomfortable for the quarterback that does have the potential to truly test Mr. Browning. Um, I think Browning can pass this test personally. I think the you know handful of throws he made, particularly in the Jaguars game where the Jaguars pinned their ears back and said, we got to go get this guy. Uh, we got to end this drive here and now. And then he delivered, uh, you know, surgical strikes to uh, Jamar Chase down the field or, and or, um, you know, getting, uh, getting T Higgins down the field against the Colts. Like he can make those throws. And 
So I don't actually have much of a doubt here that the Bengals are going to be able to move the ball and score points against the Vikings defense that doesn't match up especially well against Chase and Higgins, if we're being honest. Uh, and then the flip side of the coin is, is Nick Mullins going to be able to go score an answer against the Bengals defense that's been a massive disappointment this season? And I don't think he can. I'm not a Nick Mullins guy. I don't know that you're going to have a fully healthy set of weapons here for the Vikings. Um, I'm going to go ahead and assume that Justin Jefferson's not going to play. I'm going to assume that if he does play, he's going to be largely a decoy because that was a serious injury he sustained last week. And this is a guy that is still coming back from a relatively long layoff. And to expect him to be the game-breaking dynamic Justin Jefferson we know, I think is asking too much at this point. So uh, realistically, I think that this is a decent opportunity for the Bengals to continue to stack wins. Um, the Bengals may be able to sprint into the finish here and not only play spoiler to teams that have aspirations for winning divisions and having home playoff games, but the Bengals may very well get in as a wild card themselves on the back of this performance. And uh, I don't know exactly how you grade the Bengals offense right now, but considering the fact that the offensive line is playing well, that they have now developed a, kind of an off-speed uh, to the good pitch in Brown uh, at running back, I think you have an offense that should be rated as top 10 in the NFL that is being com commanded by Jake Browning. And uh, is this a commentary on the sad state of affairs of quarterbacks across the NFL? Or is this a pleasant surprise that Jake Browning can do this? Uh, I think it's a little bit of both. Um, but I think the uh, Bengals are the side here. And uh, just in general, I, uh, I'm prepared to be disappointed that uh, Jake Browning turns into a pumpkin under pressure against this Vikings defense. But I think the growth that you've already seen from him from the Steelers game to what he did in the second half against the Colts is enough for me to believe that this Bengals team is going to be able to get a win against the Vikings. And, uh, you know, my fair rating for uh, Bengals offensive output in this game is uh, 24 points. Uh, and I think that's going to be enough to cover three and a half. Yeah, there's a lot going on with Jake Browning. So a couple of things. One, uh, his average depth of target is 5.6 yards, which is the lowest in the NFL by far. Uh, out of what, what the way I was sorting it, there were 42 qualifiers. He was 42nd with 5.6, and 41st was Dorian Thompson Robinson at 6.4. So he is throwing, he's just throwing it barely past the line of scrimmage. Uh, in terms of his air EPA in his three starts, uh, he's gone negative uh, 5.3 plus 2.3 negative 1.1 so it is all yak with jake browning and now i don't necessarily i don't think that that uh undermines what he's been able to do because uh he's been extremely efficient doing so and his completion percentage over expected has been excellent uh and the colts they kind of almost gus bradley uh, in a way acknowledged that they kind of screwed up the game plan against the bengals where they were so worried about chase deep against their uh, corners, like a rookie seventh rounder and an undrafted guy in Daryl Taylor, that they basically, they just got eviscerated on screens. And so that was there. And that's why uh, his air EPA was low. His average depth of target was low. At the same time, he was so bad against the Steelers. And the two games that he's excelled in are against two defenses that I think are pretty subpar. So I don't really know what to make of this guy. I would lean that he is... Uh, certainly going to be better than Nick Mullins and that he's probably a better quarterback than the guy he just beat in Gardner Minshew. Uh, and he does, he certainly looks the part, like he is decisive and his his receivers get separation so quickly and then he just throws it to them. Like there is no hanging around in the pocket, Superman type of plays. He seems to have good awareness and everything. Uh, but I mean, I'm interested to see how he goes against... A Vikings defense that I don't really understand how they're doing it, but they are seventh 
ER, sorry, sixth in EPA on the season in terms of drop back EPA. Overall, they are the number five defense. I think Brian Flores is probably the best defensive coordinator in football. And if anyone was ever going to solve Jake Browning, and it's incredible that, you know, three weeks ago we we're talking about how do you solve Jake Browning, but you would think that Brian Flores uh, would be the guy to do it. And then on the other side, like I, I watched an ungodly amount of uh, Vikings Raiders and Nick Mullins uh, was not great. His first two passes that he threw arguably should have been picked off, but he does throw, he throws in rhythm. Like he lets it, he just drop back and let it rip. And it kind of, it can go anywhere, uh, but he makes some nice throws. He made some terrible throws. Whereas Dobbs, it's just, he just hangs around, hangs around, hangs around, and then doesn't feel the pressure. And I think Kevin O'Connell was just like, this cannot, this is two games in a row of this. He was kind of doing the same thing against Atlanta and New Orleans and Denver and largely got away with it. Uh, so there's a lot happening in this game. I agree. I just don't think Nick Mullins is very good. I think Jefferson, I don't understand what's going on with these injuries in the NFL. I don't understand what happened to Tyreek Hill on Monday night. I don't understand how Justin Jefferson goes to the hospital and now is day-to-day where that injury mechanic, like surely it's just it's a fractured rib or it's not a fractured rib. I don't like what's going on. But anyway, he certainly, he certainly looked super explosive getting open before he got viciously hit. Uh, but I don't know what we're going to get out of him. So there are lots of unknowns. I think the Bengals' defense is still terrible. But I agree with you that I think that the Bengals are probably the side just because there is a lot more confidence in the quarterback there than Minnesota's side. Yeah, so I guess uh, maybe the key question then is, do you expect some tendency breakers from the Vikings? Or is this just going to be standard old let's put some pressure on him via blitz because if that's the case um you already have kind of the answers if you're the Bengals offense getting the ball out of his hand relatively quickly with with the short stuff uh and in fact the um the weirdest part about the jake browning emergence i guess or just this the 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 two weeks of success that he's had the screen game for the Bengals has been unstoppable you know yeah. what, though? Like, the automatic, like, why are you doing this as you were watching Bengals film the last couple of years was the screen passes. Like, they were dead on arrival. And now, all of a sudden, for some reason, they're being they're super effective. If, is that, if that's a reflection of, um, you know, the defense in the way that the Colts and the Jags were schemed and just, in particular, the ability to use misdirection to kind of free some of those young linebackers, maybe that was the uh, the factor there. But, uh, yeah, I, I, I am uh, I'm kind of caught cautiously optimistic that the Bengals can get another win here. And uh, I'm kind of prepared for, you know, the world's brain to be somewhat broken that uh, Jake Browning might be good. Certainly possible. If the Bengals win this game and they go to eight and six, and then after that, their schedule goes at Mitch Trubisky, most likely. I don't think Pickett's going to be back by then. At Kansas City, that's very difficult. And then home Cleveland. Do you think if Zach Taylor goes closes the season six and zero with Jake Browning to get to eleven and six and lock up a five seed that he would win Coach of the Year at that point? Well, I think he should. <laughs> I mean, I mean, the idea of the Bengals getting there with the, what has happened at the quarterback position should put Zach Taylor in rare air among co- coaches. And I mean, my personal feelings about him and how to rate him and how to characterize his coaching uh, has completely changed seeing him. 
changed the offense to adapt to an injured Joe Burrow this year, changed the offense to adapt away from the 11 personnel predictable stuff they were running. And now bringing, uh, you know, you know, some credit to Callahan as well, obviously the offensive coordinator for bringing Browning along here. But um, yeah, this has been masterfully done by them. And if they can, uh, if they, if they go six and if they beat the chiefs, even like that's, that's probably enough to warrant sincere, sincere consideration for the award. Um, but you know the state of the coaching of the year market. How many how many coaches are live right now? Like twelve. Yeah, certainly. Yeah, uh, there are not many guys you can put a line through, given that the super high ceiling cases that Dan Campbell, D'Amico Ryan's, and Shane Steichen were working on, they all still exist. But now it's like those guys have to win out to get to their their really high end ceiling, whereas they all had a, a loss to play with, and they all used up that loss uh, on the weekends. Uh, yeah, we'll we'll get to that market in more depth, but I make uh, the Bengals twenty to one to run the slate, and a lot of that is just the fact that they're going to be sizable underdogs in Kansas City in a game that Kansas City are going to need. Uh, but I mean, yeah, if they get that, and that's a that's a somewhat winnable game now the way KC are playing. I don't think ultimately that Taylor would win, but uh, it's certainly a case that could win, uh, and I think is more. Much more compelling to me than like the Sean Payton uh, momentum, where if Zach Taylor goes eleven and six and six and zero with Jake Browning, that's better than anything Sean Payton can do. I don't think he's going to win either, but um, Taylor would certainly get in the mix. All right, before we get to the man who was the favorite in the Coach of the Year market before a catastrophe happened in South Florida this holiday season, Drew, get the fantasy fan in your life the exclusive Roto World Draft Guide bundle featuring expert analytics, player insights, and season-long tools. Get all three of the draft guides for one low price. Go to NBCSports.com slash holiday bundle and use code HOLIDAY23 at checkout to receive 25% off and a $10 Fanatics gift card. Did you hear that? That's what an estimated 500 horsepower sounds like. How about that? That's a premium banging Olufsen sound system with 18 speakers and a Biosonic sound experience. And that, that's our legacy. You ready to be a part of it? Go, give it to you. Unlock the energy of the all-electric ZDX Type S. Give up. Order now at Acura.com. Building a portfolio with Fidelity Basket Portfolios is kind of like making a sandwich. It's as simple as picking your stocks and ETFs, sort of like your meats and other topics, and managing it as one big, juicy investment. Mmm, now that's pretty good. Learn more at fidelity.com slash baskets. Investing involves risk, including risk of loss. Fidelity Brokerage Services, LLC. Member NYSC SIPC. Dolphins, nine-point favorites, home to the Jets. Total is 39 and a half. Right team favored in this one, Drew? No, the right team is favored in this one. But uh, is this line, could this line get closer to a touchdown? I would say so. Uh, we were spitballing what fair price was yesterday. Uh, I don't yeah. think it was off the air. And I was at kind of in like the seven and a half, eight range. And that was with expecting a healthy center for the Dolphins. Um, Dolphins sustained some meaningful injuries and now on a short week have to get right um, in a, a matchup that all of a sudden looks very, very, very tricky for them. Um, the uh, the old uh, 
kind of expectation of what you were going to get from the Jets offense is a little bit, um, you know, kind of thrown into the air now that Zach Wilson Wilson is playing with nothing to lose. Um, I actually do think that that is a real angle. Like pretty clearly Wilson was in his own head for a lot of his time as a starter this season. Uh, and it was also very obvious in the second half of that Jets game that he was basically like, okay, well, you know, this is, yeah, I might as well just, uh, you know, kind of play a little backyard ball here. And it was a much different experience. And I think the Dolphins uh, now having lost uh, meaningful pieces of their pass rush and Jalen Phillips and uh, at the linebacker level with Baker, uh, combined with the fact that Xavier Howard got dinged up in the last game and that you just in general, um, you know, aren't aren't coming in at full strength on the defense does give the Jets a little bit of scope here to, uh, you know, to put some some points on the board. Um, surely Brees Hall's not anywhere near as effective as he was last season, largely because the Jets offensive line has been an absolute train wreck. Although it is worth noting the Jets offensive line is at least has a little bit of continuity over the last six weeks relative to the beginning of the season where it was a new guy every single week being asked to do something new. The continuity at this time of year for an offensive line is hugely important. And so there is a potential that the Jets can finally get a little bit of a run block going. They can finally get some pass protection going uh, and uh, have a little bit of success on offense. When you flip the coin, this is a humongous step up for the Dolphins offense against the Jets defense. Jets defense clearly a top three unit in the NFL. I don't think there's really any argument with that uh they they have exactly the right pieces to make things a little bit difficult for you in terms of pass defense against your elite weapons your elite weapons both came out of the game at times dealing with injuries and now have to get right on a six game uh six day week uh so this is a, a very very potential um problematic spot for the dolphins um the mike mcdaniel you know catastrophic uh you know outcome of that game against the titans is 100% fair characterization. And in fact, he made some weird coaching decision mistakes in that game. Uh, and just in general, I think anytime a team lets up a 14 point lead with three minutes to play, the coach is absolutely has to come under scrutiny. So it's going to be fascinating to see how he deals with the uh, kind of renewed attention to what happened with that blown loss. And uh, I think ultimately this, uh, the two, uh, kind of sliding back into sort of the guy that we remember from exactly a year ago who was just not playing anywhere close to what we saw in the in the, uh, in the early fall uh, is something to keep an eye on. I was not impressed with Tua really last night. Uh, and the fact that um, they lose their center, who was excellent, and they have, you know, and Tua has been kind of notoriously susceptible to interior pass rush. And you're going up against Quinn and Williams, who might be, what, uh, interior DL number two after Aaron Donald in the NFL in terms of talent like this smells like trouble every which way you want to slice it uh, and I know they still have uh, you know one of the most dynamic set of weapons in the game uh, in Miami and that might ultimately be the difference here but uh, this seeing this open at double digits didn't feel right seeing it at nine now still feels like there's meat on the bone and I think uh, Jets uh, realistically have a, a decent shot to kind of pull off uh, the impossible here if their defense plays as well as they did last week sure Yep, I certainly agree. I think the Jets will be the side at plus nine. I just don't think that the Dolphins have much avenue to playing well on offense. And now they got it done to an extent when they played uh, in East Rutherford uh, a few weeks ago against the Jets, but that wasn't pretty either. And two or through the two inexplicable picks and the offense didn't look like the all-world unit that it had been. I think this Jets defense is just too good. Like no one, no one plays well against the Jets defense. The only quarterback who has had a good game against the Jets 
You can include Josh Allen's second time if you want, but that was kind of a weird 80-yard catch and run that basically saved his numbers. The only guy who played well was Dak Prescott, and Dak Prescott threw a 100th percentile easy pick six, the source guard that just went through his hands back in week two. So basically no one has good games against the Jets. And now to your point about Connor Williams, who I think PFF rates the best center in football, uh, the Dolphins are now down 80% of their offensive line. And Armstead and Hunt have been week to week. I'm not sure if they are going to come back. I'm not sure if Tyreek Hill is going to play. I'd expect he would. I have no idea what happened to Tyreek last night. I don't understand how it's possible to have an ankle injury that is significant enough to keep you out of the game for as long as it did for him. But for them, for then him to just sprint off the field right after the injury, uh, and then when he comes in, he looks exactly the same guy. Uh, I think it was concerning that the Dolphins needed uh, a pick six from Will Levis, a fumbled punt at what, like the four-yard line, uh, and then a comical toss fumble. They needed all of that to get to uh, 27. Uh, They did nothing on offense, really. And that's the big concern is that against the Titans secondary that is, you know, frankly terrible uh, and is running out rookie corners to defend guys like Jalen Waddell and Tyreek Hill for the time that he was out there. And Tua was negative 0.13 EPA per play at home against the Titans secondary. And I get that some of that is the pass rush, but if you want to build the idea that Tua is very much a product of his surroundings and when the surroundings start to collapse in on him that he doesn't have the ability to overcome it. I mean, last night would be, uh, that would be data point one for that. So it is, it's also, it's a little uh, concerning that on the two biggest plays of two a season, fourth down against the Chiefs, fourth down against the Titans, he fell over. Just both times, he just fell over. Uh, to be fair, there was a snap in the Chiefs game, but it wasn't a, a glorious end to either game. And look, most most great quarterbacks, they need their weapons to be fully operational. And I think Tua is a top 10 quarterback in the league. But if he doesn't have 80% of his offensive line and a healthy Tyree kill, then I'm not sure he's going to be able to overcome that, particularly against the Jets' defense. By the yeah. way, if the Dolphins, if they lose this game, they can miss the playoffs. Like yes. They were in the box seat for the one seed going into last night. They close the season, Dallas, uh, Baltimore, and Buff- uh, Buffalo. And so they, those three are all losable games. Yeah. Uh, if their health situation doesn't get better, they are probably going to be dogs in all three of those games. Mm-hmm. So this is season on the line stuff against the Jets. Uh, and I think they will win because I don't trust Zach Wilson going up against the better defense than Houston's. But uh, yeah, I would be, I, I think this closes more like seven, seven and a half. Yeah. Uh, and I think the Jets are the side. Yeah, I think if this wasn't the Jets defense you were up against, I would probably be willing to chalk up yesterday as, hey, everybody has a stinker. You can't yeah. win. You can't you can't go out there and be your best self 17 times. It's very, very hard. Uh, you know, the normal distribution of, of, of just player level outcomes would tell you you're going to have three of these games that are you're just not going to be your best. And I would be fine chalking that up to that's what we saw yesterday, even though, yes, that came up that came against a very weak defense that's problematic. Um, and yeah, if it was anyone but the Jets, I would maybe feel like bounce back was potentially going to happen. But against the Jets, this is just there's no margin for error. 
you really, really have to be perfect against these guys in order to move the ball effectively. Um, and the Jets aren't going to turn you over, but boy, oh boy, are they effective uh, at uh, preventing the explosive plays and just in general playing, uh, you know, a complete game of defense. So, um, yeah, I think what we're looking at here now, all of a sudden with that loss yesterday is this game probably decides whether the Dolphins are in the playoffs or not, because I think they lose out if they lose this game. Uh, and I think uh, ultimately even that loss yesterday in the grand scheme of things that gives the uh, bills all of a sudden margin for error. Like the bills Cowboys game was a elimination game for the bills. If the dolphins win, because they needed to win every single game uh, going forward. And they were going to be able to, um, uh, they were going to be able to compete in week 18 for the AFC East. Probably now with this loss in pocket for the dolphins, the bills have the potential to lose another game and it's still not going to really cost them. Bills get chargers and Patriots, which are pretty straightforward wins while the dolphins play the Cowboys and the Ravens. So uh, not looking pretty uh, for Miami right now. And uh, you know, the, the fact that two as bad games came in a cluster last year is in the back of my head. If we're being honest. Yep. No, certainly I was thinking as soon as, Miami lost uh, that game. I started thinking about Josh Allen, MVP, because he has a path to win the division and be a three seed while having, you know, uh, stats that'll be probably finish in the... I mean, if he if he wins the division, presumably he's playing well on the way and upping his stats to be... No one's going to catch Purdy, but he might be able to catch Dak for number two in terms of statistics. And Everyone is good with Josh Allen being the MVP, more so, much more so than Purdy or Dak in terms of his reputation. But you just look at the mechanics of the schedule and the fact that uh, San Francisco play Baltimore and someone has to win that game. And then uh, Dallas plays Miami and someone has to win that game. And like either outcome is bad for Allen in a different way. So I don't think he really has any path, but it's an interesting one to play around with. Yeah. Um, I think he also probably finishes close to 20 picks, which is that's good. the other thing. Yeah. Which voters do not like. He's what he's at 14 now. Uh, so yeah, if he doesn't throw, if he throws one pick the rest of the way, um, maybe he'd have the statistical profile, but he maxes out at 11 and six and he's going to be up against competition. That's either a one seed in Lamar Jackson or uh, 14 and three Brock Birdie, 13 and four Dak Prescott, whatever. So I don't, I don't think he has an actual path barring really strange stuff starting to happen. Uh, also Mike McDaniel coach of the year quickly before we move on um, a lot of dirt being poured on McDaniel. And, and obviously he drifts significantly after last night. At the same time, I still make it 10 to 1 that they run the slate. And uh, because two of their difficult games, they are at home in Miami. They will get healthier, presumably. Armstead, Hunt, come back. Tyreek gets healthier. They can just get through this game against the Jets where they are nine-point favorites, so they should be able to get through it. Then all of a sudden, if they beat, if they win home Baltimore, home Dallas, at Baltimore, Baltimore will be on a short week coming off what will presumably be a brutal game against San Francisco and then home Buffalo. All of a sudden, like that one secures the one seed for Miami, secures all the vibes. No one remembers the Titans game if they run the slate from here. It's just that's not an automatic win, and it's 10 to 1 to even get to that point. So he's in a lot of trouble, uh, and I don't think he's going to win Coach of the Year, but I wouldn't completely put a line through him. We agree on that. Uh, and uh, to go back a tiny step to your Josh Allen point, if 
you want equity in a long shot MVP right now and you think Allen's the guy, you're almost better off just parlaying Buffalo Bills win with the Cardinals winning because that's kind of what you need to get to knock Purdy out of the top spot right now, in my opinion. He needs to lose some freaky weird ones uh, to bring, you know, bring the win-loss closer to Buffalo landing 11-6. So uh, there, are more, there are more creative ways, I think, to uh, try to capitalize on those opinions and, in fact, just lay the points with Buffalo and, and be happy about it, I think. Yeah, well, yeah, because they, he's done. If they lose to Dallas, completely put a fork in him. Uh, I think the best way to bet the Bills right now is to win the AFC. Um, if you can find some 10 to 1, 11 to 1, uh, I think that is slightly good. All right, before we get to those Buffalo Bills, a reminder this Friday at 11 a.m. Eastern Drew, Vaughn Dalzell, Brad Thomas, and Eric Froton are answering your college football betting questions for bowl season. They'll discuss which games they've circled, handicap the college football playoffs, as well as get you ready for seven matchups on Saturday. So go check them out on the NBC Sports YouTube channel. Did you hear that? That's what an estimated 500 horsepower sounds like. How about that? That's a premium banging Olufsen sound system with 18 speakers and a Biosonic sound experience. And that... That's our legacy. You ready to be a part of it? Let's go, give it to you. Unlock the energy of the all-electric ZDX Type S. Give up. Order now at Acura.com. Hey, Fidelity. How can I remember to invest every month? With the Fidelity app, you can choose a schedule and set up recurring investments in stocks and ETFs. Oh, that sounds easier than I thought. You got this. Yeah, I do. Now, where did I put my keys? You will find them where you left them. Investing involves risk, including risk of loss. Fidelity Brokerage Services, LLC, member NYSE, SIPC. Cowboys at Bills. Another big one. It feels like the Bills, they play in all these big cinematic late Sunday afternoon games every single week, and they usually end in tears for Buffalo until last week. Uh, where they uh, reverse the juju. Now they are two and a half point favorites. The total is 50 and a half. Line is trending back towards Dallas at some spots a little bit. The Bills, their injury situation isn't amazing on defense. Micah Hyde is week to week. So uh, tick, Demar Hamlin uh, should be active again if Hyde is out. Uh, AJ Epinesa, who's quietly been uh, probably their second best pass rusher after Greg Rousseau, he is also week to week. And so now a team that was already a little bit thin on defense with losing Milano, losing Phillips, losing Trey White, there's a lot of guys that they're starting to lose. On the other hand, the offense uh, is a full go and they're up against the Dallas team. Coming off that Philadelphia game uh, on the road, Dak Prescott uh, goes up against a real defense outside the confines of a dome. Uh, do you think the fairy tale ends here for Dak? You know, I think there's a decent chance. Um, nasty situational spot. Uh, Cowboys uh, having, you know, getting up for that Eagles game in prime time uh, and having been home for what was the last time the Cowboys played a road game? October? Like, it feels like they've been home for an eternity. Well, the thing and, is, they played one against Carolina, but it doesn't count because Carolina <laughs> aren't an NFL team. Oh, so I forgot. Like a bye I, week. I, was that in October? That feels like a million years ago. Like, yeah, it, yeah they just have been home for uh, forever. 
Uh, and, uh, you know, it is going to be fascinating to see if they can adjust to the elements. This is not an easy place to play. Uh, this is not an easy time to play there. Um, and if the Cowboys expect to have, you know, precision passing, timing, everything in rhythm, uh, they're going to, you know, if, they, if that actually plays out that way, then, you know, hats off to them. But I think there's going to be a little bit of, uh, you know, just a learning curve, adapting to the elements and adapting to the environment for the Cowboys. The Cowboys offensive line has been super unbelievably good, but they haven't had to be in a loud, you know, environment like this with these, these types of stakes uh, in a really long time. And, and uh, when they were uh, most recently, I think was probably the, uh, the game in the link. Uh, where, you know, the pass rush for the Eagles was ultimately the deciding factor in that outcome. Uh, so, you know, there is definitely scope here, I think, for the Bills' defense to generate a pass rush and really put pressure on Dak, which could either force him into minus CV plays, just mistakes in general, um, and or just, you know, just a little bit of a lack of fluidity, which has been sort of the hallmark of the Cowboys' offense these last three, four weeks. So um, definitely would expect the Cowboys to have a, a tougher time offensively. Now, the question to me seems, or at least betting the Bills or not, uh, and the Bills' injuries on defense, like they've been hurt so aggressively this year and lots of players have had opportunities to get game time and kind of learn from the mistakes that they've made and losses in the middle of the season. And so I'm not as worried about, uh, you know, AJ or uh, Hyde potentially being unavailable here because the replacements have gotten some field time. Right. Uh, and, but the offense for the bills is more of a head scratcher for me right now. Uh, you have Josh Allen. He is one of the most dynamic, if not the most dynamic pass plus rush uh, force in the NFL, considering he has an absolute howitzer for an arm, and he is extremely difficult to tackle. Um, do they utilize him in the way that he is his best, where you're rolling him out of pocket at times and getting him on the ground for 15 yards, you know, a, a chunk? That will work against this Cowboys defense. I have very little doubt in that. Uh, and I think the Bills offensive line can match up well against the Cowboys pass rush uh, in a way that kind of prevents sort of the game deciding, game breaking sacks for the Cowboys defense, which then kind of forces the their ability to sustain drives with engaging uh in, engaging cook on the ground and uh getting digs you know matched up against aggressive coverage from uh you know you know bland or otherwise uh and i think the digs question is really where i want to flip this back to you because i don't exactly understand why he hasn't been super effective the last four weeks it feels like there has been some just general effort by defenses to like like to double key on him in a way that has you know, forced Allen to look at his other options and those guys just aren't as, you know, aren't as good at creating separation, aren't as good at the point of the catch. So it's, it's tough for me to say if this is uh, just a factor of the other weapons for the bills, not stepping up in the passing game, or if Diggs specifically is dealing with something that he's not as effective. Um, but uh, if Diggs can't break a couple of uh, relatively significant, uh, you, know, you know, explosive plays in this one. Now we're talking about bills needing a little bit of luck to get this home because Cowboys do have outstanding spe- Special teams. The Cowboys do create, uh, you know, a couple of havoc plays, you know, a game in random times uh, in a way that can absolutely flip things. And the Bills have been, you know, a propensity for, uh, you know, making relative brain farts over the course of a game. So um, I don't have a strong opinion right now whether two and a half is a favorable bet in favor of the Bills or not. Uh, but I think if you're making a bet on the Bills, you're essentially saying Cowboys prove it to me. You can get it done on the road in a hostile environment. Uh, and uh, and then in particular 
particular, you're saying I'm betting on the Bills being, you know, a top five offense in the uh, NFL, uh, you know, and it just thanks to Josh Allen being present. Um, the other question besides Diggs for you is Sean McDermott feels like he is doing a lot of um, kind of bottling things. Uh, and uh, that may just be who he is now. Um, but, uh, you know, the state he's in in terms of trying to protect his job and just in general, some of the decision-making and a game, it's just not good and I don't love it. And I worry a little bit that there's a coaching advantage in favor of Mike McCarthy here. Uh, and, uh, so yeah, I guess, I, I guess, are you worried about Diggs and are you worried about McDermott? Is either one of those enough to kind of either back Cowboys or just walk away from the Bills here? Yeah, I think with the Bills, I think the they are just they're a hyper talented, stupid team, and they just do dumb stuff over and over again. Sean McDermott looks like he's going to burst into tears on the sideline every single game. He uh, he looks like a a character played uh, at the end. He's like Leonardo DiCaprio at the end of The Aviator, uh, where it's just all kind of gone south, and he's just in the bedroom by himself. It's like how did this happen? Just worrying over and over again. Uh, and he but- he's butchers these end-of-game situations constantly. I didn't have as big of a problem with the Kansas City one because I thought that just with the clock situation, they needed to get another first down. And if they just ran the ball, uh, I didn't think that that mattered as much because KC still had two timeouts in the two-minute. But in these other games, he has mismanaged them violently. Uh, and yeah, I would not trust him to make a decision um, that optimizes their chances to win down the end. I don't understand when, whenever he's playing with a lead, he goes into a shell defense uh, and doesn't play real defense. It's either shell or cover zero blitzes against the Broncos with no in between. Just play normally, Sean. Just play normally. Um, you don't have to prevent against the touchdown on every single play uh, because they can take multiple plays to score a touchdown. Uh, so that's a concern, but, you know, that's kind of baked into the bills at this point. On digs, so it, one, he turned 30 two weeks ago. Uh, happy birthday, Stefan. Uh, so he might just be getting old. He might just be on the other side. He has fallen off a cliff this past month in particular ever since the Cincinnati game where – He was one of the best receivers in the game in the first six weeks of the season. Since then, production has fallen off. PFF grades have just fallen off a cliff. He wasn't out there on third downs against the Eagles with the season on the line, and that makes me think that maybe he's just not fully healthy or there's something that he's nursing. Either way, he's not used to be able to count on Stefan Diggs as like, you know, Justin Jefferson, Tyree Kill, Jamar Chase light. Uh, but he right now he's like uh, Khalil Shakir, basically. So I don't know what you're getting out of Diggs. The good thing is they have so many other weapons between Kincaid and Davis and Cook and Shakir that I think that they will be okay, even if Diggs isn't at his optimal level. Um, I think this is it's a good spot for the Cowboys in terms of the weather as there is no rain and no wind currently forecast in Buffalo. So that I think helps the Cowboys a lot. Uh, my kind of operating thought behind this game and it became kind of crystallized a little bit watching Dallas Philly where I really needed Dallas to win that game. And Dak just did not fill me with a great deal of confidence. And sure. I don't think he played particularly well in that game. And we talked about, you know, if you want to have a certain theory about Tua and how he is a product of his environment, you could build a somewhat similar case, though not quite the same because Dak has played at a high level. But you could build a case that Dak has been playing indoors against bad defenses for a couple yeah. of months now 
And the one time he played a properly serious defense in San Francisco, he was like negative 0.4 EPA per play and had the worst game of his career. And now, look, he was super efficient against the Jets, but he had that uh, drop pick six and his average depth of target was uh, under five yards in that game. So this is a good test for Dak. It's a massive game for MVP with repercussions there. Ultimately, I don't really know what to do with this game, to be honest. I think the line is right. I think these teams are basically dead even. And the Bills' injury situation is a little bit worse, but they have home field. And to your point about, you know, travel, rest, that all favours the Bills. So I think one and a half to two is about right. Uh, And I'm not sure there are really any ways into this game. If you really think that the Bills will win, I think you're better off just backing Brock Purdy to win MVP. (laughs) This loss, a loss here would sentence Dak to the five seed and the bubble bursts. I don't think Purdy is value at every price in the market anyway. Uh, but yeah, I any any thoughts on the total before we close out? Yeah, it's high. 50 and a half. It's really high. I don't know that I see that. Uh, I know these are two offenses with the pulse. You have two quarterbacks with name brand value. Um, but uh, my fare is about 48 here. So uh, this is under a pass. Yep. Okay. I like it. All right. We are done. Don't forget to check out NBCSports.com for more information to help you with your wages. Thanks for those of you watching on the NBC Sports YouTube channel. And if you're listening to us in podcast form, don't forget to rate and subscribe. And also a reminder to find all your favorite NBC Sports shows on Amazon Music. Just head to Amazon.com slash NBC Sports. From Jay Croucher and Drew Dinsick, we'll see you soon. That's what an estimated 500 horsepower sounds like. How about that? That's a premium banging Olufsen sound system with 18 speakers and a Biosonic sound experience. That, that's our legacy. You ready to be a part of it? Unlock the energy of the all-electric ZDX Type S. Order now at Acura.com. Hey, Fidelity. How can I remember to invest every month? With the Fidelity app, you can choose a schedule and set up recurring investments in stocks and ETFs. Oh, that sounds easier than I thought. You got this. Yeah, I do. Now, where did I put my keys? You will find them where you left them. Investing involves risk, including risk of loss. Fidelity Brokerage Services, LLC, member NYSE, SIPC. 